You're listening to the Unpacking It Live podcast, presented by MetaShare. Each week, Bryce, Luke, and Henry unpack sports, faith, and life with the goal of challenging, encouraging, and inspiring you to follow Jesus and become more like Him. Now, from Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here's your host, Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It Live podcast presented by MetaShare. I'm Bryce Johnson with Luke Heaton, Henry Bieniemy. For the next hour, we will unpack sports, faith, and life with you, our Unpacking It community of sports fans. Thanks to everybody listening on YouTube. Facebook Live, Twitter, LinkedIn. Glad to have you here. The chat is open. Be sure to let us know your thoughts. What are you convinced of today? Henry will be there interacting with you and always appreciate your feedback and interaction with the show. Thanks, everybody, that listens to the podcast later on. Apple, Spotify, wherever you find your podcasts. And thanks for the emails, uh, Bryce at unpackingit.com. Today on the show, Yes, I will talk about Duke losing to UNC on Saturday night. As a Duke fan, it was a painful, painful Saturday night. I'm still recovering. Shed a few tears today watching uh, some of the uh, the aftermath of that of that game. <laughs> um, tears of joy, tears of sadness, uh, and everything in between. Uh, so we will do that during our Unpack This segment. So the good news about that loss uh, of course, Tar Heel fans are loving life today and have been the last couple of days. They're celebrating like they won the national championship. So congratulations uh, to them. Uh, they, they took down the, the town at Chapel Hill. Um, but the good news is there is a, a, a spiritual application for us that we, that we can all be uh, encouraged by today. So we will get to that in just a little bit. We'll have some fun with tap drill as you know, we've been we've been keeping an eye on the broadcasting carousel, and it looks like Kirk Herbstreet has found a an additional spot to to, to broadcast. So we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, lots going on in the NFL following the combine. I personally don't get into the combine numbers, but there are a lot of stories that are going on in the NFL, and with, especially with free agency coming up and potential trades and movement. Uh, that that's exciting to me. That's what I get get most fired up about. And then we will uh, do I'm convinced here to start in just a moment. And, and I'll let you know what I'm convinced of in regards to LeBron James. But plenty of Duke Carolina talk today on the show. Uh, so I think if you're on either side or if, even if you're neutral, there'll be something that you can connect with and, and offer some feedback on as well. Uh, but before we jump in, I do want to thank our presenting sponsor, MetaShare. MetaShare is an innovative healthcare solution for Christians Looking to save money without sacrificing on quality? MetaShare is a biblical, affordable alternative to health insurance. You can text the word UNPACK to the number 201-201. And you can also check out MetaShare.com slash unpacking it and, and get some information, figure out, if it's the, figure out if it is the right fit for you and your family. Uh, it's been great for my wife and I. We've been members for over five years, and MetaShare has provided us with an affordable and effective way to pay for healthcare. We will do the MetaShare moment of the week in a little bit, and it involves soccer. Ooh, a little soccer. And I'll be leading the way. 
It's not Luke leading the way on this one. It's me. So we'll do we'll do that as well. So we got a lot to get to on this Monday. Luke, how you doing? How was the weekend? What's going on? Well, I'll tell you what. I am thrilled to talk some footy, some soccer, baby. So uh, <laughs> I, I, we are all eager, myself and all of our listeners and viewers. How are you going to write the ship? How are you going to lead the soccer conversation? Uh, also, as a neutral college basketball fan, great day for the Jayhawks. Big 12 mm. champs again. Uh, had Got a big overtime win against Texas to uh, have a share of the Big 12 with Baylor. Um, so another great year to be a Jayhawk. And I am convinced we have entered into the greatest part of the year for sports fandom. Now, I do acknowledge the glory of October. All So many professional seasons start. And there's so much excitement. Football's in action. Basketball starting. NHL starting. Baseball playoffs. We talked last week. MLB playoffs are great. Regular season, eh, not so much. Unless you're a diehard baseball fan. But March and April, oh man. Just by virtue of having March Madness and the Masters, I mean, come on. (laughs) MLS, Major League Soccer is in action. We got Champions League Soccer in Europe going on. Golf is, oh, it's just, I am so excited. I'm a huge college basketball fan. Basketball fan in general, growing up playing hoops. That's my my first love as a sports fan. So I love getting, I love watching it and then getting super nerdy about it. So I've been watching college basketball all season long. And my goodness, am I excited for this year's NCAA tournament and the conference tournaments going on right now. The small conferences, who's going to get a bid? The big conferences like UNC, their seating is increasing. So I'm convinced we're in the greatest part of the year for sports. Well, last week we talked about all the top teams losing and now throw Duke in the mix with that. So, yeah, we're heading into the tournament with all the the, the top teams in a late season loss, which which is fascinating. And then we'll see how they bounce back in the conference tournaments. I am bummed that, that App State lost in the Sun Belt tournament, so they're out. They went to the tournament last year, so my alma mater is done. But I've been a college basketball fan since I was probably 10 years old, and Duke was that team. And so I will, I will share those thoughts in a little bit. Uh, before I tell you what I'm convinced of, though, I did want to share a big win from the weekend. So Ooh. despite the loss Saturday night, I got a win on Sunday, and here's the win. Have you ever been to Trader Joe's? Do you have that in Texas? Is that a grocery oh, yeah. store? Is so, that one that you frequent often? Well, my perspective is hipsters and uh, wives typically frequent it. I okay. have I have been on one solo mission there, but it it's it has developed an amazing brand. People love it. It's good, love uh, it. but okay. it's, it's fascinating. So I'm a big snack guy. I'm a big guy, snack guy, big snack guy, whatever we, however you want to put it. But hummus. Um, I love I love hummus, but but I love bags of snacks. That's my downfall. And Trader Joe's downfall. has the absolute best. They've got creative huh. snacks. They've got snack mixes. They've got all sorts of nuts. They've got they've got it all. They've got it. So yesterday we don't live near one, but yesterday we took the journey. Jody, my two daughters, the four of us as wow. a family piled in to our, our SUV and drove a, a pretty good good trip. Little Michaela napped on the way. How long? How and, long? 
good 30 minutes. Probably a good 30 wow, minutes. Wow, 30 anyway. minutes so, to a grocer. All right. To a grocery store. And all we had was one hour to get everything we needed. Okay. And, and so because we don't go often, that means we needed to get everything. Oh, yeah. From fruit to snacks to dinners, everything in between. We had to do it. But here's the thing. You go on a Sunday to Trader Joe's, oh. and it is chaotic. It is packed. You are, you are in there trying to survive. It is, I mean, you go in there with a mission. Every man are, for himself. And that's the downfall. Listen, <laughs> I, I think it is biblical to love others and put others <laughs> ahead of yourself. But that is challenged to the <laughs> utmost degree when you step into a Trader Joe's because you're exactly right. It is every man for themselves. There is no courtesy. There is no, no, you go first. There's none of that. There's no time for that. No There's chance. no room for that. You are, you are jam-packed in there. So we had a, a, a push cart with, with Michaela in it, my, my six-month-old, and then the cart with the groceries with, with Maddie. And, and so the big win, though, is that we survived, and we, we, we spent what should have been two weeks' worth of, of groceries uh, <laughs> in, one, in one effort, in one one-hour effort. And I have now stacked with snacks. I was about to say, so you're loaded. You're loaded. I'm ready. I'm ready. I've got Cheetos. I'm good. I got Fritos. I'm in. I've got I've got this little uh, seaweed, little seaweed thing, flavored seaweed. What? I've got it all. I, so March Madness, the man cave is open. Those of you in Charlotte that want to watch games, I'll be watching games and eating Trader Joe's snacks. And I did that on a Sunday with two babies and my wife, and we we survived. Your so taste good, buds, good for us. Good for us. Have, your, your taste buds have no idea the torment that is coming. You're gonna you're gonna give your taste buds Cheetos and then seaweed. I mean, what is going on here? Yeah, I mean that's a very diverse portfolio there. Very impressive. Praline pecans. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's uh, it's it's all set. So that's that's the win. But here, I'll I'll get to the Duke Carolina. I know people are. Oh, what does Bryce think about Duke? All right, we'll get to it. But here's what I'm convinced too, because Saturday night, following the Duke Carolina game. We saw an incredible performance from LeBron James. Now, the, the, game, the days and weeks kind of leading up to Saturday night, everybody has written off the Lakers. Everybody has kind of said, forget this season. It's over. Now, right, Rightfully so. Rightfully so. It cracked open the door. Even on uh, Saturday, I was with my family, and I told him, oh, yeah, Lakers are done. Season's over. And I, I like the Lakers. I like LeBron. Um, but he drops 56 on Saturday night. And here's what it confirmed. And, and what I'm convinced of, because I've been convinced of this almost his entire career. I'm convinced that LeBron James can score whenever and however he wants. And for whatever reason, he chooses not to do that. And <laughs> he showed Saturday night that he still got it. He hmm. still can score however much he wants, however he wants, and whenever he wants. Now, he prefers to get his teammates involved. He, he prefers not to carry the load night in, night out, which is allowed him to play as long as he has and, and at the, as high of a level as he has you know, now at 37. Now, unfortunately for him, he finds himself with a roster that it just isn't going to win. And so he's got to do even more just to try to, to win. But I'm convinced it's not sustainable and it's not going to be enough to, to, to make – the most of this season and, and really it's championship or bust at this point in his career. And they're not a championship caliber team, even with Anthony Davis. And so I'm also convinced that throughout LeBron's career, 
he has played with so many different teammates, a lot of different skill sets, oh, yeah. a lot of different styles of, of, of people and, and personalities and all that kind of thing. And for the majority of those guys, the ones that were willing to adapt to him and, and, and were willing to, to, to jump on the, the LeBron train did well for themselves, and it resulted in winning championships, trips to the finals, deep playoff runs. People bought in. Well, LeBron met his match. Russell Westbrook <laughs> is not willing to adapt. Met his match. He's not. You know, it took all these years. What is this, year number 17 or whatever? Um, before he was drafted. So finally in this year, now LeBron has somebody that's, that's, that, that is taking up so much of the cap space that it really matters. Now, if if one of these lesser-known players over the years didn't buy in, well, they would just ship him out of town. they trade him at the deadline. They couldn't do that with Russell Westbrook, and so no. he stuck with them. Um, but it's just crazy that Westbrook isn't willing to adapt and buy in, and that's what's holding them back in, in a big way. And it's yeah. they're going to get rid of him in the offseason, apparently. There's no way that, to salvage it because uh, Westbrook just won't change. And I'll even go back to – sorry, last thing. So Kyrie Irving, a guy that's not willing to adapt. He's not a winner. He's not a winner, except for – playing with LeBron and it was only, he was only willing to do it for a short time because otherwise he's not really willing to willing to adapt as we've seen. It didn't work out in Boston. It's not going to work out in Brooklyn. I promise it didn't work out at Duke. And so Kyrie Irving, other than LeBron being able to, to get him to buy in at least for that one big championship run. And then Kyrie goes, "Eh, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to try to do it on my own. Well, good luck, buddy. Good luck. (laughs) And same with Russell Westbrook. It'll be fun when you're playing for the Kings or the magic. So enjoy. Yikes. All right, there you go. That's what I'm convinced of. Can we just pause and say out loud that 37 years old, 37, when you yeah. hear of any other player that's 37, you think, wait, how are they still playing in the league? <laughs> what team wants them? And yet LeBron is still one of the most coveted players in the NBA. He's 37 years old. And in NBA years, he's 88, he's 88 years old. Yep. He shouldn't be in – no one – Hardly anyone should be in the league when they're 37 because He's, they can't play anymore. And yet he, I agree with you, most nights he can do whatever he wants, which I think I stop him. is part of learning what the NBA is. That's, the, that's perhaps one of the biggest differences from NBA, from college to NBA, is people harp on defense in the NBA. Oh, why didn't they play better defense? Got to play better defense. To some extent, yeah, you can play better defense. Teams, like you should give effort. You should work to improve your defense. But at the end of the day, these guys are actually unguardable. You can't, you can't, no matter what you do, you talk to players about Kevin Durant, no matter what you do, he's going to score. He's seven feet tall and could dribble like a guard. He's just going to shoot over you every time, no matter how close you are to him. Guy like LeBron, he's going to score whenever he wants. Guy like James Harden, he's going to, well, maybe not now, but. Uh, still now, he, he's going to score whatever he wants. Like the NBA is such, especially now where you, you touch fouls are called, you can't be as physical on defense. It's an offensive game. The defense is at such a disadvantage because of the rules and because of how stinking good these guys are on offense. The defense is hopeless. It's just, how can I minimize the damage? In minimizing the damage... Uh, for LeBron the other day was hey, let's not get it, let's not let him get to seventy, yeah fifty six and we'll still try to win. It's just it's it's remarkable. The, the NBA is at such a high level on offense. It's crazy. 
but he's never been motivated by points. It doesn't appear like that doesn't seem when you when you watch him, it's like that's not his main motivation. No, he's not a point. Ch- and yet he's but he's already top five of- scoring all time. Like, that's why people say he's like magic because or he's got some magic in him because he's such a great passer. Like LeBron is one of the best passers of all time. No question. That is no such question. a slept on attribute of him. He is such a good passer. So no, I agree with you. He's not he's not a point chaser. No. But maybe this year, now that they're kind of out of championship contention, they may or may not sneak into the playoffs. I don't think they will, but he could win the scoring title. So maybe that's what he's after at this point. It adds adds I to still the say resume. In a if if they make the play in games, I don't want to play the Lakers. Because it's playing LeBron. And if it's just a no matter what has game, happened that yeah. season, one game on the line. And you can say, all right, LeBron, we need 50, we need 50 points out of you. LeBron can go get 50. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man. So there you go. That's what we're convinced of. Let us know what you're convinced of. Uh, leave your comments uh, wherever you're watching right now or email Bryce at unpackingit.com. So we're going to do unpack this about Duke and Duke losing to Carolina and the big win for UNC. Uh, but I've got some other thoughts to go along with the, the spiritual thoughts as well. But I got to tell you, going into the game, it was it was so it was highly anticipated. ESPN went all in on the coverage, and so there was so much hype, so much buildup. And as someone who's been a Duke fan for so long, there was almost this uh, assumption that Duke would just go out and win the game. It was almost like not even fathomable that that Duke could lose this, and. I give a ton of credit to UNC and, and Hubert Davis and he's he, a former guest on the show. I, I like Hubert Davis. Awesome I'm, guy. I'm rooting for Hubert. Uh, I couldn't believe the, the negativity surrounding him from Carolina fans throughout the season. And it seems like this win has cemented him yeah. at, you know, kind of some of the doubters. All right, let, 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 this guy is going to figure it out. He's, he's a great coach and his players and love him. him. His players love him. Absolutely. Uh, there's nothing not not to like about him. Um, now, uh, it looks like Chris Carroll and Noel, Nolan Smith don't, don't like him so much, but that's uh, that's another topic. We'll, we'll, let, we'll let social <laughs> well, media have I that was, one. But. I was reading that Hubert Davis was on the last Carolina team, unranked Carolina team, to beat a top five Duke team at Cameron. Hubert Davis oh, wow. was on. So that wow. kind of coming full circle there. But about Hubert Davis, it's and he, he, he was on record saying, you know what, I heard all the chatter. But he literally was saying, I'm in this for these players, for these kids, for these students, and I want to impact their lives. That's right. He, he's just an awesome – too. yeah, if, if you haven't heard his interview we, we, that Bryce had him on, it, it's, it's awesome. He is – even as a Duke fan, Bryce is a die, – you're a diehard Duke fan, and yet you have nothing but good things to say about Hubert Davis, and, which is true. Hubert Davis is awesome. Yeah, so we'll, we'll give him a little love, but now I got to focus on on the Duke That's side. Right, of things. yeah. So that, we got to give we got to give Coach K some some love today as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> but going into the game, I just assumed they would win. But I also thought to myself, <laughs> tonight isn't about the game. Tonight is about Coach K being celebrated, and it's about Coach K in his final game. Now, when the game ended, I didn't feel that way. I felt devastated i i haven't been that upset about a a sporting event in a long time i i have grown and matured 
as a, a follower of Jesus. I've grown as a sports fan. I try not to let games, uh, you know, dictate my emotions as much. But I got to tell you, following that loss, I was I was beside myself. And you could you could see in the crowd. I mean, people didn't know what to do. I to think how loud that arena was, Cameron indoor before the game, during the game. And compare that to how quiet it was after the game. Oh. That was remarkable. Very rarely do you see an opposing team celebrating to such silence. I mean, there I were a know. few parents there from, from UNC, but there weren't many fans. I mean, there were very few Tar Heel people in that arena. That was a Duke crowd, no doubt about it. And they were all there stunned. And I, and I felt that same way sitting in my, in my recliner. And I didn't think that that was going to be the case because I thought, well, no, tonight's just about K. But the fact that the, the players let him down and couldn't come through and get the win, it was, uh, it was hard to swallow. It, it, it really was. Do you was. wish that it wouldn't have been Duke Carolina for his last home game? So as a neutral fan, Duke Carolina is awesome. No matter who's ranked, who's unranked, no matter what, how, how well they've done that season, like Coach K's record is around 50% against Carolina. It's above very, 50%. very even series. And, 47. and I was watching that game, and after the game, I was thinking, for the Carolina players, it's all about the game. To them, it's, can we go in and beat Duke? For them, it's all about the game. But for Duke fans, and for the narrative for a neutral sports fan, it was, oh, this is Coach K's last home game. It's all about him. And after the game, I'm thinking, wait, no, this is one of the biggest rivalries in sports, and we almost lost that because it was about Coach K. So I was thinking, I was kind of disappointed that it turned out this way. I would have almost rather it would be Middle State College coming to Cameron Indoor, wipe the floor with them, and then celebrate Coach K. So as a sports fan, I was disappointed that we didn't get it. It wasn't a true Duke Carolina game because it felt like really only half of the people were in it. That's what no, it felt like. No, no. I, I, my thought is even as a Duke fan, listen. This was dev, This was like this was as as I'll talk about in a moment. It was unacceptable. This was this should not have happened, but because it did. As someone who also just loves sports and loves rivalries. This is fantastic for the rivalry because UNC, I mean, they, this, this moment in sports history will never be seen again as far as a guy being in a program for 40-some years and builds a program out of nowhere and builds it to the, to the cream of the crop in the sport and, and then play, you know, coaches his entire career there. And then to go out when he wants to go out and to have a moment where he's actually celebrated and then for that to be ruined by the rival, this just adds to the tradition. This adds to the hatred, the sports hate that's there. And, and so that to me is a phenomenal thing. Let's go. Cause now I can't, I want to play Carolina in the, in the ACC championship. It won't make up for this, but it'll help. And then I can't wait for next year when, you know, UNC let's pretend, well, I don't even know if they can be number one in the country, but they're number one. And then Duke knocks them off and it just builds and builds and builds year after year. And so I think it's all, it's, listen, trust me, as a Duke fan, it's brutal. It's awful. But this is great. This is, th the fact that they could pull this off, <laughs> good for them. Good for them. No, so. I, I definitely see that. 
I guess I'm just kind of going your route. Like you don't like your food to touch. I don't know if I want the Duke Carolina rivalry game to mix over with Coach K's sending off party. Because I, I don't think you can, in the moment, you can't have both. I, I agree with you. It makes for a great storyline, and we're going to be reading about this, and Hubert Davis, and these, these Carolina players are going to tell their grandkids about this moment. Go watch. I beat Duke. We beat Duke in Coach K's last game at Cameron Indoor. They're going to tell their, their, every person in their family forever, hey, I'm, I'm so-and-so. I beat Duke Coach K's last game. So I know it's going to happen. But in the moment, I, I struggled because I couldn't have both in my mind. I wanted yeah. to either have one or the other. It it did seem like I mean it really rained on his parade to add that to the well, cliche. Yeah. Imagine being his players after that game, sitting coming out, sitting on the bench. I mean, they have that. I would have felt humiliated. Yes. Now I, they they shouldn't. It, it, it it's a game, but I would have felt humiliated, especially with the hundred former players coming yeah. back. All yes. of that, to be a current player and lose that game to oh. an unranked Carolina, oh, man. Oh. I don't know how they – yeah, I don't know how they could show their face in front of the legends. Like, oh, they I know. let the legends down in a big way. Yeah. Like, they built – like, you know, those legends built this program with Coach K. They all played a role in that. And they wanted it to kind of all culminate. You beat your rival in Coach K's final game. We're all here. Yeah. We all celebrate. And you guys couldn't hit a shot with five minutes to go, and yeah. you couldn't stop Carolina at all. So oh, yeah, man. absolutely. I was I, I was watching them come out. I was almost like, no, 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 just stay in the locker room. Don't bother. We don't need you out here. We don't need you. Stay and I in don't there. think Coach K could have enjoyed it. How could he enjoy? I mean, he could, but he w- he must have been fuming. We saw oh. him during the game. He was he, all over the place. Yeah, he's a he, no matter what he was going to be celebrated with. He's still coaching that team. Yeah. So I don't, that, that it didn't work out how we wanted it to. But for Carolina fans, to your point, they're on cloud nine. That's, the, that's one of the biggest Carolina wins in the Carolina Duke rivalry, probably. It's, it's, as, it's as good as it gets. Yeah, that was, that was amazing for sure uh, for them on that, on, that, on that side of things. But, uh, but for us uh, today, I want to look at this story and parallel it to our own lives as we as we unpack this. And, and we always take current sports stories relating to the Bible, relating to our own lives. Uh, this devotional uh, will go out through email later today, uh, but it goes out Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, you can subscribe if you haven't already uh, on our website, unpackingit.com slash subscribe. So today's Unpack This. Uh, the, the big takeaway for me was what coach K said after the game. And so they had this whole program planned, but then he went out and said, no, 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 I got something to say. And that was a hilarious comment um, where he's like, no, 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 stop, stop. Listen up. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, But, but here, here's ultimately, uh, let's see what he said. He said, today was unacceptable, but the season has been very acceptable and the season isn't over. All right. So that's that's what he said, and and I, for for me, you look back at this game and you go, okay, this was a mistake, this was a loss, and you can ask you know the, the questions afterward. It was like, okay, was the team do, too distracted? Did they let their emotions get the best of them? Were they unprepared for for what the enemy or or UNC was able to do to them? <laughs> was the night 
more about looking back on Coach K's career than it was about the present game. Was the team too comfortable after blowing UNC out the first game of the season? Were they already looking ahead to the ACC tournament or the NCAA tournament since they already secured the ACC regular season crown? And, and did Duke just run out of energy or, or you know, was their defense just not, not good enough? Um, it was, you know, UNC more, more prepared and more hungry for that, for that game. And, and so, to me, this perspective that, that Kay had was, hey, it's unacceptable. The season has been very acceptable, and the season isn't over uh, is absolutely true because ultimately the best way to finish the career, to finish his career, and for the players to honor Coach K is to go win a championship. Yeah. Go win the NCAA championship. And that's the way you really want to finish off a career. Like that, that trumps even what could have been a cool home game win against UNC. It's, mm-hmm. it's about the championship. And so, sure, they're, they're unhappy about the big loss, but their plans and goals to, you know, to actually go beyond the regular season. Like, it's not just about winning the, ACC, winning the ACC regular season or even winning that game. It's a setback, but it doesn't have to de- derail Duke from what they're really trying to, to do uh, this year. And so today I want to unpack how, you know, some of these elements parallel our own lives and when we set out on our journey of following Jesus, you know, we plan on, it's our goal to win every game, so to speak, you know, you know, for him. We want to live for him, and we want to do what's right, and we want to shine in big moments for him. And although we want to do what's right, sometimes we stumble. Sometimes we lose in a surprising way, and we make mistakes, and, and we don't come through. We don't follow through. Um, and James 3 reminds us, Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could, could, and could also control ourselves in every other way. And so we know we're, we're not perfect. We know we're going to make mistakes. And so when mistakes happen or our plans and intentions don't play out how we thought they would, you know, it could be very disappointing and painful. And we end up asking some of the same questions that I just listed off in regards to the game, you know. Did, did we, uh, you know, we asked, you know, how could this happen? Did we get too distracted? Did we let our emotions get the best of us? Were we unprepared to handle the enemy's attack? Were we too busy looking back on previous successes? Did we get too comfortable? Were we too worried about the future? Uh, we weren't focusing on the present. Did we run out of energy or our defense wasn't good enough? And so all those questions are good for us to, to evaluate in, in life and help us grow and learn. But well, we got to have a similar uh, kind of mindset to what Coach K said. We can, this can ring true in our own lives. Today was unacceptable, but the season has been very acceptable, and the season isn't over, all right? And so how does this, how does this, this look for us in our, in our own lives? Hey, we confess. We confess our mistakes and the sin that's in our life. We agree with God that it is unacceptable. And then we've got to remember that because of Jesus' death and resurrection— Despite a loss, we are still declared accepted by God through grace when we place our faith in Jesus. 2 Corinthians, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And so we can't allow a loss to derail us for for long because our season isn't over. And God's ultimate goals and plans for us go beyond the regular season. So we may have let him down for a night, but thankfully he is still with us. 
And, and so ultimately, we, we can finish our lives on earth victorious. And that's the, that's the goal. We, like, we, we want to see Coach K finish victorious from a basketball standpoint, but we want to finish our lives on earth victorious. And the good news is, it's already true. It's already true. When we place our faith in Jesus, as it says in 1 Corinthians, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the season isn't over. We're all, we've already won. And, and that's what we cling to, even on the games that we, we fail, the nights that we mess up, and, and the, the mistakes that we make. It's unacceptable, but we're still accepted. And, and we're mm. still accepted in Christ. And so that's the message uh, we'll, we'll pull from, from Coach K a little bit for, the, from that, for that encouragement. Uh, so you can unpack that today. Luke, what do you think? Well, I agree wholeheartedly. And that's, I would say, like, as a... As someone who's followed Christ for many years, and if you're listening, this isn't something new. Like what Bryce shared isn't something new, but it is important to hear all the time. Praise God that it is not up to us on if we're accepted or not. That if we have an unacceptable day or season, however long or whatever that looks like, the fact that we're still accepted as sons and daughters because of God's grace and mercy to us, that is worth repeating and reminding ourselves and sharing with others and praying through every single day. Because it's, it, 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 it's foolish in the eyes of the world. Like the, the, Bible and, and the Bible talks about the wisdom of God is foolish in the eyes of the world. But it is true that we are accepted no matter what we've done. And also considering we're going to remain accepted no matter what we will do. Now, obviously, that does not mean, oh, I can do whatever I want because God's forgiven me. Romans 5 and 6 directly talks about that. Should we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We're called to live a new life because we've been genuinely transformed but we know that we still sin on this side of heaven, and it's just so worth celebrating. I'm acceptable to God because God has chosen to accept me out of his mercy and his grace. So I think that's a great reminder looking at the Duke game on Coach K saying, tonight was unacceptable, but the whole season is acceptable. That is a great, uh, is a, a great example of what we're saying for our faith on Reflect on your own life. I think in my life, there's been plenty of times where I've done unacceptable things. I've been unacceptable in the eyes of God. I was born unacceptable, Mm. but yet because God has declared me acceptable, it's because of his grace and mercy, and I just, I don't know, it's so worth talking about because it is, it's almost unfathomable that, man, how great is that? So I think that's that's a great reminder. Uh, So... Thanks to Coach K for helping us out on the podcast with a great example. That's but I, right. I think I think that's a great a great example of of what we experience in our lives as followers of Jesus. Amen. So check out the uh, the devotional uh, in written form, email form uh, later today, and so you can contemplate it a, a little bit more. And if you ever want to join us on a a Wednesday unpacked lunch. Uh, we unpack one of the the stories from the week, one of the the devotionals from the week, uh, over lunch, uh, virtually noon noon to one Eastern, 
Uh, and so if you ever want to be a part of that, you can uh, shoot me an email, Bryce at unpackingit.com. We'll have any time. Yeah, just a, a handful of guys to a dozen guys or so. And um, maybe never more than that. It's usually usually less than a dozen, but uh, would love for you to be a part of that uh, sometime if, you, if you're interested. All right, so uh, that's, that's the spiritual side of things. A couple other, uh, even other spiritual thoughts as well, just about this game and about even Coach K and, and his career coming to an end. Um, going in and even throughout the season, I've appreciated – other coaches honoring Coach K. Of course, Jeff Capel at Pittsburgh did because he's a former player and assistant coach. And Tony Bennett, I thought, was really cool at Virginia, uh, the way that they honored Coach K. But And it was awesome with all the players there and them all giving him a dab and, and high fives coming out of the tunnel. It was really cool. But I always get a little cringy when it comes to the worship of the guy that we're honoring. And it's, it's such this fine line in, in sports that we're guilty of this as sports fans, because the reality is I actually, I did a sermon on this at my church that, you know, we're made to worship and it comes out in, in sports. Oftentimes we could, we could do a whole segment on this, but, but the idea that people were, you know, using their hands to praise coach K. Oh, I don't like it. I can't as a follower of Jesus who I, my, my awe and adoration is for him. And, and ultimately him alone. Um, now I'll give honor to, to people and, and, you know, respect and, and, and we're even called to honor people. And so there, there's a, a certain level that's great in that, but man, some of these people, like some of these crazy, they're called Cam and crazies for, for a reason <laughs> It goes too far. And even as a Duke fan, it's like, eh, pump the brakes. Um, but you know what I was thinking about? It's like, okay, we respect these guys for what they do and what they accomplish. But I actually think, if you really dig deeper, it's actually more than that. One, we're designed to worship, but we're ultimately designed to worship God. But the other thing is, I think our appreciation for athletes and coaches is more about the memories, the personal experiences, the personal enjoyment that they've given us. And so, like, especially for, for me as a, a somebody who was a Duke fan as a kid, and I have all these memories watching them and seeing all those players to see JJ, who was one of my, who's probably my favorite Dookie, Grant Hill, Steve Wojciechowski, uh, Elton Brand, Carlos Boozer, Dunleavy, the list goes on. Lee Melchione, Matt Christensen. Let's go. It's awesome, baby. Um, but all these guys, <laughs> we love them. Um, Kyle but, Singler. Don't forget about him. You know, I love Singler too. Um, yeah. I mean, the list goes on and on, but, but it's the memories. It's the experience. And so it's not even necessarily worshiping them, but it's just like, you you reflect back on man, Coach K played a key role in my sports fandom, and I appreciate that. And I appreciate that as a Duke fan, I've been able to witness. I didn't really witness the first two championships. I kind of came on right after that as bandwagon rider, of course. But um, but yeah. witnessed the other three championships and uh, lost in the, in the championship as well. But um, but that's that's to me what what comes to mind. And then also, you know what I really appreciate is that he he respects his wife the way that he does. Now, I don't know how he is personally you know, behind the scenes, but from what I can gather with the stories that I've heard and, and, and watching him honor his wife uh, just by holding her hand walking out, I find that very special and encouraging. And, and my wife and I even had a conversation about it that was, that was cool. And, and so... And, and, and even Coach K's, uh, you know, just with his grandkids and his daughters, and he had a moment with his daughters after the game and that they're involved 
in the program. He didn't sacrifice his family life. I'm sure there were sacrifices, but he didn't, he didn't give up a family life. He didn't give up those relationships. Um, he's a great friend. So those are some of the things, you know, we talk about the worship. Now nah, we don't worship him. He's a flawed man. He's, he's a knucklehead. He still gets, he gets, still gets mad at the rest all these years later. He's 75 <laughs> coaching his last game. And he's worried about a foul 75, call. Wow. Come on coach. Let it go, man. No. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, that, those are just a few, few other things I wanted to, uh, to get off my chest here on the, on the podcast today. I think you, it's a fascinating thing to discuss on. So when I think of, my fandom for my favorite teams, my, like I say Mavs 2011 all the time, but my, my love for the Mavs is not like, I didn't experience, I didn't win that championship, but oh, you didn't the, play. Uh, yeah, yeah. Shocker. Uh, couldn't jump over a textbook in high school. It was Mr. <laughs> Fundamental uh, nice. energy guy on the bench. There you go. Um, but but the joy that it gave me with fellow Mavs fans and the entertainment it gave me and the memories as a sports fan, that's why, that's what our teams, our favorite players, our favorite coaches mean to us. It's those experiences. So why it's so special to see those former Duke players is because you're seeing your brain and the memories are fast forwarding while watching, looking at all those players. It's like you're re-experiencing those memories again, but it's not like, oh man, you're. It's not. I'm centered around that '92 championship or that 2001 championship. Oh wow, that was a great day. But seeing those players, it's like wow, the journey and the joy of being a Duke fan for you. Mm-hmm. You're reminded of all those amazing memories of being entertained, of shared experiences with fellow Duke fans. But even as a player, when you talk to players about what they miss most, they miss the locker room. They don't miss celebrating after the final buzzer. They don't miss uh, the five seconds after the final buzzer. They miss the shared experiences with their teammates in the locker room. Oh, if I could just experience the locker room one more time. If I could just experience the bus rides one more time. Hmm. So there's something about the memories of the of shared experiences that mean way more than success. And obviously success is fun, but as a sports fan there's there's somewhat of a shared experience and for uh, for me I'm a Kansas fan. I had a shared experience in 2008 winning the championship. I had a shared experience losing to Northern Illinois Northern Iowa in the round of 32 and, and like a few Freak, years after Freak, that. Freak, what was his name? Freakerish. Freakerish. Try, try to try to forget it, but yeah, what still, was his name? I can't think of his name, but do you get what I'm word. saying? I'm, I'm not sure if I'm explaining it clear enough, but there's, but to your point, the, the memories and the shared experiences is what's more meaningful than, Oh, the, watching them cut down the nets. I don't know. I, I'm trying. It's hard for me to explain fa- my train all, of thought. It all factors in. But to me, it goes beyond the greatness. Like, that's a factor. And I think that speaks to we're, we're drawn to greatness because we're drawn ultimately to God, who is the greatest, and we settle for for sports uh, all too often. But there's also a level of honoring and respecting just greatness in, in life and excellence uh, that, we're, that we notice. Uh, so there's a part of that. But – 
But yeah, I guess to me, like it goes beyond how great of a career Coach K had. It's something personal for me, speaking to the experiences that that you're you're mentioning as well. It all it all goes into that. The even, anticipation that I know Duke's playing tonight, or every Duke Carolina game that's been memorable, and the conversations you have even with Carolina fans over the years, and walking the middle school halls after a Duke win when I was the only Duke fan in the in the school, and so all of that. So. I thank Coach K for that. You know, he he helped facilitate and make all that that happen in my career as a sports fan, my life yeah. as a sports fan. So no, yeah, it does go beyond the greatness because even fans of bad teams still have fond memories of supporting that team. And what whoever, not to discredit Coach K, but whoever's playing or coaching for a team, they are impacting memories and shared experiences for fans. So for Coach K to be at a place for 42 years, he was able to, he was the guy for 42 years. So yes, he was successful in basketball standards, but he his longevity, 42 years of Duke memories belong to Coach K's leadership, which mm-hmm. also makes him great because he was at the helm for that long. So he was able to give to Duke fans, no matter how good or bad they were, for 42 years. Yeah, the consistency and reliability that that provides. There weren't, you know, there were some off season or down seasons, so to speak. But yeah, it's not like other programs that, have, you know, get a new coach every five, 10 years and then you start over and rebuild and all that kind of thing. It's been a consistency that, that's, that's remarkable. Yeah. Uh, that you can't even, it's hard to find comparisons. It really is. So w- would love to know any of your thoughts, uh, you know, Duke, but also just how you relate to it in your own sports fandom and, and some of your thoughts on this. Uh, leave your comments. Send me an email, Bryce, at unpackingit.com. All right. We spent a lot of the show on, on, on this topic, which is, it's, it's, it's a worthy topic. Uh, I didn't even scratch the surface. I got, some, I, got some, I got plenty more to say, but we'll, we'll, we'll stop there for a moment and get to the MetaShare moment of the week. And speaking of shared experiences, something special happened in Charlotte on – it was Saturday night. It was actually kind of during the, the game, during the Duke Carolina game. So, of course, I was in on that. But the rest of the city was all in on the debut of a major league soccer team, Charlotte FC. Oh, yeah. So this is a, a fascinating story, and there's actually a lot to unpack with this. And, and I'll, I'll share the moment of the week. So the moment of the week is the fact that the fans of Charlotte, and actually people drove in to be a part of this, they set the record for like the inaugural debut. And I think it was even like records for MLS attendance period. Um, it was an, a, just an unbelievable crowd showed up for this first game. And then, you know, there's always going to be issues your first game, right? So the issue yeah. was the national anthem microphone during the national anthem, the microphone went out. So guess what happened? The crowd, this record-setting crowd huh. in unison, sang the national anthem for the debut game. I mean, How you cool can't make that? this stuff up. I mean, this is this is incredible. So you've you've probably seen it. It's gone viral. Uh, it's so it's it's definitely worthy of the MetaShare moment of the week. And and so I'm very proud of the city uh, and this new you know the kind of this new team, this new fan base that is building. And I got to tell you, the excitement for this fresh start is remarkable. Now I, I just, I moved here just after the Hornets got here, but Hornets fans in the nineties, 
were setting records for attendance. So this is a great sports town, and it's just it's 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 just intriguing to me that it's soccer at this point, and it almost seems kind of like the younger generation's really into it. And um, you know, the Panthers, like I've told you before, we've got such a a, a hybrid fan base here, meaning yeah. a lot of people move to Charlotte, and they're fans of other NFL teams. Kind of but people we, from the Northeast, right? Moving down. Oh yeah, from everywhere to Charlotte, from Ohio. They're all yeah. they're everybody's here. Everybody's here. So we got fans of everybody. Uh, around town, we still have a lot of Panthers fans. But when visiting teams come, I've talked about you know, they, they take over. But to now have this new franchise that everybody can kind of connect to and rally behind uh, is a unique opportunity that cities don't you know you don't get very often. Um, and especially at this stage of kind of sports, uh, that's one of the the leagues that actually is growing. Um, so anyway, so they get a big crowd, they get to sing the national anthem. The Charlotte FC did not win the game. LA Galaxy won, but uh, that's pretty cool. So uh, check out metashare.com slash unpacking it. Thanks to Metashare for being our presenting sponsor uh, and, and the sponsor of that segment. So what are your, what are your, what are your thoughts? What are your questions? <laughs> soccer is king. <clears throat> Time to jump on board. <laughs> I, uh, we don't talk a lot of soccer, but I am a diehard soccer fan. Big fan of uh, my Chelsea Blues, currently champions of Europe. Uh, FC Dallas fan, uh, since I'm uh, in Dallas-Fort Worth. That is the local team uh, that I support. We're coming for you. Uh, well, FC Dallas has been uh, kind of on a struggle the past few seasons. But I will tell you, I, soccer is king, especially in regards to game environments. I think my biggest... my the thing I'm learning most is soccer fandom travels no matter what country you're in. Because we talk about, we often compare, oh, like football games are fun, NFL games are fun, but have you seen the fans at European soccer games? Have you seen the fans of English Premier League soccer teams? I, I'm thinking now that that's an unfair comparison because that's NFL to soccer. But we're seeing now soccer in the United States of America and in Canada it it's the same. You go to FC Dallas game, the fan section, absurd. A, an expansion team in Charlotte, a record-setting crowd. What seventy something thousand fans? Yeah, I, I like soccer travels. The culture of being a soccer fan is you sing the whole game, you go berserk for goals. It's just I, it travels no matter what country you're in, and it's. It's fascinating. It's something we're not used to if you're a NFL fan or an NBA fan. But I'm telling you, give soccer a chance. If you have an MLS team in your town, please go to a game. It is so worth it. I'm, I'm waiting for the invite. I'm waiting for the invite. So if somebody, somebody's got a ticket for me, I'll, I'll go. I will go to a game. It's going to be a tough ticket to get. So if somebody, if somebody wants me to go to a game, I, I will. I, I'll get I over there. I will say... No. Kind of inexcusable for the microphone to go out. They're playing with a Panthers play, right? It's not a new stadium. No, they should be. They <laughs> so. should be ready to go. They should be ready. To go. It was a little. It was a little weak, but it turned out to be a cool moment. Maybe turned it was out by design. Cool. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe they thought that'd be cooler anyway, which it was. But the way that they yeah. did the lights and I'm the, telling I mean, you, apparently soccer games are rocking. soccer games are again. Please go to a game if you have a team in your city. It is so worth it. Yeah, I. I hate to admit it, but yeah, I haven't been to a soccer game and I haven't been to a hockey uh, NHL game. Mm. So I've been to, to go to a Charlotte Checkers game. game. We'll triple A hockey. 
That no, I, I went get solo. Molly, I went solo to a game the summer I, I lived in Charlotte and interned for, for unpacking it. Solo to a Charlotte Checkers game. You didn't invite me to it. To the what? the Calder Cup, I believe what it's called. Charlotte Checkers were in the finals. It was fighting the whole game. It was <laughs> it was unreal. Like AAA <laughs> hockey is crazy. <laughs> I got to get over there for sure. Uh, so anyway, it's exciting. Some some cool, uh, yeah, just cool excitement. I, I bumped into somebody at church and he was at the game. And it was all oh, the place was rocking. And so who who would who would have thought Charlotte, the, the the hub for soccer now? So there you go. All right, let's have some fun. We got to do tap drill with our remaining time together today. Some other interesting stories uh, from the world of sports from the weekend. And let's say hello to. Henry Bieniemy, he's a little under the weather today, but hopefully uh, he can get through it, and uh, we'll let you uh, let you get us get us going here. Uh, we may still have to talk a little Duke Carolina, but well, I'll let you take it where you want to go. All right, boys, glad to be back with, back with you today. Um, let's let's actually stay with uh, UNC Duke. Now we all know about the Duke UNC rivalry. Did you guys pay attention to what happened? In the quote unquote the handshake line, one of the you one of the Duke um, assistant coaches would not shake the hand of uh, Duke. Uh, excuse me, of North Carolina head coach Hubert Davis, which seems to me that Duke, even after Coach Shashevsky retires, that the Duke UNC rivalry is still going to be alive. Duke is still going to hate UNC. Tar Heels are going to hate the Blue Devils. That rivalry would go beyond uh, Coach K. So my question to you boys is this. If you can, find me a better rivalry than Duke-UNC. Yeah, I mean, I'm biased, of course. But to, to me, it always delivers. And, and the fact that throughout K's career, he's 50 and 47, shows you that it's a toss-up every game. You, you yeah. throw out the records, and it doesn't matter if you're on the road. It doesn't matter what happened the first game. But it, it doesn't matter. And so that's what all you can always count on, at least one of the games delivering. There, there are some, you know, some blowouts, like Duke blew out UNC the first game, which ended up not being a great one. Uh, but this was very entertaining, you know, competitive. Of course, all the pomp and circumstances we like to say on this show. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but it still delivered. It, it really did. Well, what sets it apart is they're eight miles apart, the campus. Oh, so yeah. if, your rival is, if your rival is located a thousand miles away, even if it's a great rivalry, you're showing up to school and there's no opposing fans. You're all you're all and you live in the community. You're all wearing your team's colors, your team's uh, logos. But Bryce, when you're saying you're going to school, there's Duke and Car- Carolina fans at every middle school, every high school. Now, it's, it's maybe lopsided depending on how close you live to the campus, but then being 8 miles apart th- that makes the rivalry that much greater is because all the fans of both teams live together, which makes yeah. it so cool. And like Charlotte, you know, we're right in ACC country, so a lot of grads, I would say mainly UNC grads, live in Charlotte. But then we grow up, you know, I didn't have family connected to either school, so I just got to choose which one, and I, I was drawn to Duke over Carolina, so I rooted for Duke. But then you have buddies that are the opposite, and a lot of my friends went to UNC, um, and while I was at, at App State, I probably I was all in on, on the Mountaineers. Um, 
but my fandom kind of grew over the years. It kind of it, it it waned a little bit for Duke while I was in school, but then kind of coming out, I still love my alma mater, but yeah. my Duke basketball love has has remained because it 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 was it, it, it's it's long. It's a long it's a long love affair with Duke basketball. It really is. I know. Now we're gonna get Shire versus Davis. I like it'll it. be interesting. I- Neither of them had a head coaching job before. No. They were just groomed assistants, and we're going to see. That's kind of fascinating. They both are going the same direction. Let's just have an assistant prepare them and give them their first head coaching job, filling the shoes of two of the greatest college basketball coaches to ever do it. So it's they're mere images of each other, which is adds to the rivalry greatness. It is now, good timing. Now, for me in particular, as far as Duke is concerned, I'm I'm pretty sure Coach Shire will be a great coach. But for me, I thought the guy who was going to move next right after Coach K retired was going to be Jeff Capel. And then he wound up taking the job over at, um, at Pittsburgh. So for me, I thought it was going to be Jeff Capel that was going to be there. And I wanted to see Jeff Capel versus Hubert Davis because those were the guys that I knew and those were the guys that I grew up with. So it'll be interesting to see how uh, the the new head coaches, when they step up, or at least when Shire becomes the head coach next year, to see exactly uh, how he keeps the rivalry going, quote-unquote. And on a side note, I didn't actually have, because living in New York City, um, we had we have colleges in New York City. We have Columbia. We have St. John's. And when I was a kid, I grew up a St. John's fan only because we we um, we cheered for Chris Mullen. Chris Mullen was uh, a yeah. was a, was an alum there. But when I grew up and I moved to Connecticut, I I got immersed into UConn. Well, into UConn, especially the women for for their dominance back then. When I moved up here in two thousand and four, now that was in that was at the height of Gina Oriemma's powers. Now in 2022, you've got Tennessee, you've got Stanford, South Carolina is the number one team in the country, at least they were at this point. And UConn's got like a whole bunch of rivals. It went from it went from V. Vivian Stringer, it went from Pat Summit, it went from Kim um, Kim Mul- Mulcavy, I Kim believe Mul- her name, Kim Mulkey, who still doesn't like him to this point. And so UConn itself has a whole bunch of rivals throughout the generation. So as far as UConn's concerned, it seems like it's UConn versus the entire NCAA. So you could take that for what <clears throat> you could take that for what you will. Now I have a question for you guys. <laughs> when when you guys go to a sports event, do you oh, do you stay in the seat that you're in, or do you look to move down? Well, you're bringing this up because Glenn Davis, apparently during the Boston Celtics game, you know, former Celtic, he he Big gets baby. caught. He gets caught trying to to move up to the courtside seats that weren't his. And ESPN caught it on video. <laughs> and hey, uh, the, the, the you know the off what do they call them? Uh, ushers? Hey, uh, these are these are your seats, or the people that were actually sitting there, like, hey, these are my seats. And so how embarrassing for Glenn Big Baby Davis that he's got to move. But when I was growing up, I'd always move down. I would, I would, if if there if it was a Hornets game and it was the third quarter and there were empty seats, I was moving down. Um, now at this point in my life, I probably I'm not sure the integrity behind that, so it's probably questionable. I I don't think I would do it the same way that I used to. Uh, again, because I've grown. 
But um, but I understand the thought behind that. It's like, no, you got to move down if there's empty seats. But the biggest frustration is guys that don't show up. If you're in courtside seats, you don't show up till the third quarter. Somebody should be sitting in those seats. So there should be a there should be a process that like, all right, who wants to come sit in these? We got to we got to fill these seats because you can't be showing a game on TV and you got empty seats. Yeah, courtside. So you got to fill those. Uh, but trying to be sneaky and all that kind of thing. Uh, I got I, I try to be a little better than that at this point, but, um, <laughs> but anyway, I used to, I, I can't, I can't claim that I never did. <laughs> I can't, I, I, I used to try, but I'm so big and I have red hair. I got caught every single time. I couldn't yeah. do it. My friends would sneak tricky. on down and I'm like, wait, what? So if you're an usher and you see high school guys sneaking down, you got to let them do it. Right. If it's if no one is showing up for the game, let the people move down, right? Yeah. As I mean, an usher, like it if it's the really third if it's the third quarter, and there's a ton of seats that are empty, should we force the people with their backs to the wall at the very top level to stay there when the bottom bowl is empty? Yeah. You got to me, it's like just let them move down. Yeah. All right, everybody, we're all moving down. If, if they didn't fill, you know, the, people didn't show up even though they paid for these seats. We already got our cash, so come on down. Yeah, especially if I'm looking to buy tickets online and it shows that those tickets are bought because they all are and then they're just being resold. Like, it's not like I could have just bought that ticket in the first place. I was, I was buying tickets, uh, the only ones available. So I don't know. If I was an usher, I may, uh, I may turn a blind eye to that. But but we're also talking about a former player at his at the team well, that, he's that for. That was that funny. just makes no sense. Why? Yeah, I mean, that's that, crazy. What are we doing here? Like, why is Big Baby Davis having to pay for a courtside seat? I mean, shouldn't he be the guy hanging out in the tunnel? Is he I'm beloved? Like, is he well, beloved? The, well, that show that no, him having him having a, a courtside seat and them show then having him moved shows how beloved he actually is or lack thereof. But Bryce, actually, Bryce, if you do it now, and, and Luke, well, you'll find this out, the best place to move down is at a baseball game because the stadiums are so big and not everybody goes to every oh, single yeah. no. baseball game. You can't sell out those places. You, you, you can season. never sell out those places. So Guess what? Guess what? They're all empty right now. Plenty of seats available. <laughs> Plenty of seats available. <laughs> You're not watching anything, but the seats are available. Go stand up. <laughs> Third baseline, you got it. First baseline, wide open. Let me tell you, if and when baseball does come back, I guarantee you, you'll be able to find a seat because probably not a lot of people are going to care anyway. Well, So we're going to move on. We're going to move on from that. And we mentioned, you guys mentioned it earlier today about the announcing the play-by-play announcer's carousel. And now we even have another twist to that where Monday Night Football analyst Brian Greasy is going to step down from the booth and go into coaching. Now, I don't know about you guys. I've never heard of Brian Greasy actually being interested in coaching. I don't know if he ever was a coach. He's never coached. I remember him as a quarterback, but he's actually going to be the quarterback's coach for the San Francisco 49ers. Now, we already know that that position is already in flux. Is Jimmy Garoppolo staying? Is he going? Is Trey Lance going to be is going to be helped by this? So boys, what do you think of Brian Greasy going from Monday Night Football analyst to quarterback's coach? 
Yeah, I thought that I found that news fascinating, but the connection between him being a former Michigan guy and Tom Brady being a former Michigan guy, I think they played, there was some overlap when they played together. It, it stirs my uh, interest in Tom Brady to San Francisco. So I'm still buying that narrative. Uh, and so this, this just kind of adds to that. Um, but as far as Brian Greasy, I mean, he was out of a job with ESPN at that point. And as far as Monday Night Football, because they got Troy Aikman. So yeah. that was the end, end for, for him. And he's fine. He's just kind of a vanilla broadcaster, in, in my opinion. It's kind of take him, take him or leave him. Neutral guy. Doesn't really move the needle for me. Um, so I'll be curious to see what he does in, in San Francisco. But I think he'll, I think, I think he'll be uh, get, getting uh, Tom Brady prepared, prepared for Sundays. That's what <laughs> I think. wonder what it's like. I mean, he hasn't played. Look at my, he hasn't played since 2008. He's never had an official coaching position. So I wonder I, – I just think of the, the energy it takes to be a coach in the NFL, how many hours you put in. He, he hasn't been in the league in a coaching position. He's leaving a broadcasting job where you never work. You just broadcast. Oh, I mean, come on, that's come like on. Okay. wow, that's, that's, that's a shots fired. Just going off what people <laughs> say, shots people... fired. <laughs> just saying, you get your weekends off. You obviously you're prepping. It's a hard job. Okay, it is a hard job in the moment, but the amount of days you work, it's much different than the hours and hours and hours and hours and hours he is about to put in as a quarterbacks coach. Holding That's the, the big board for Tom Brady? Come on. Come on. He's, got, he's going into an easy gig. He's got an easy gig. Let's go. Um, but it's probably got to be a pay cut. I bet he makes less money. He was probably making good money at Monday Night Football. So as a, as a positional coach. You think he was making good, good money at Monday Night Football? Make a ton. I don't know if he, was, if he really needed the money, to be quite, quite honest with you. Well, he did all right in the NFL. He, he had well, if you career. play that long, then – if you, so take, you, said care, you, if until you take care of business, right? you shouldn't, but you never know. Yeah. Now, All keeping right. keeping in – and, when, and when Bryce, we'll do one more. And uh, keeping in with the coaching carousel, it was just announced within the last 24 hours that Kirk Herbstreet is actually going to leave ESPN, and he's going to be doing games for Amazon for the NFL on Thursday nights. Now, we've seen Kirk Herbstreet call games for college. We've even seen him – uh, call a couple of games on the NFL level. So what do you guys think of Kirk Herbstreet as a primary play-by-play guy? This is quite the turn in the, in the broadcasting carousel. And I am, I do not think this is the best option for the NFL. Kirk Herbstreet is a college football guy. He's a college football analyst. He didn't play in the NFL. He didn't coach in the NFL. This is this to me, I, actually, I'm going to get fired up about it. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's ridiculous that this – they're making a big deal about Amazon Thursday night football, the big brand of the NFL, and they're bringing on Kirk Herbstreet, who's a wonderful broadcaster, a wonderful analyst. He's the cream of the crop in, in college football. But he's a college football guy, and I understand he knows all these players because he watched them in college, but it's still different. It's just a different sport. It's a different game, and – I, I just I think you could do better. I think there's other guys that are out there that have the NFL connections and have you know deeper NFL relationships. And, and maybe I don't know Kirk's relationships in the NFL. Maybe they maybe they are strong, but he's focused on Saturdays. He's doing college game day. So now we're going to try to squeeze 
all we have out of Kirk Herbstreet on Thursday night and then to turn around again on Saturdays, it's just unnecessary to me. There's other guys. We don't, we don't have to double dip on Kirk Herbstreet. Don't double dip the chip. No, we don't, we don't need it. dip it and end it. (laughs) Now you could, you could challenge me on this because Charles Barkley does college basketball, right? He doesn't know anything about college basketball because he follows the NBA all year long. And during March Madness, we know he doesn't know the players' names and all that. Only he, during March Madness. That's the key. And, and, he, and he only does it during March Madness. But I love him. I love him, and he's great. And he could be doing hockey broadcasting. I don't care. Put him anywhere. Put him on every, every night. Put him on CSI. Put him on Law & Order. Put Charles Barkley everywhere. CSI. I'm watching. I'm watching. Put him on um, uh, uh, The Mass Singer. Make him a judge. That's right. I'm in. I'm in for that. <laughs> I've been watching Ken Jung on uh, I Can See Your Voice. Another good show. Another good show. You are all in on those shows. Yeah. Ken Jung, he was at the Duke game. That was fun. Um, he was going nuts. But, but yeah, so, I, so I'm, I, as far as the, the overlap, I'm okay with it with Charles Barkley, but I'm just not okay with it with Kirk Herbstreet. And it also, it's a game analyst. To me, you got to really know the ins and the outs, and you got to know what's going on. And to switch back and forth on the rules even, like college football is a little different than the NFL with, with, with some of the rules. I, yeah. So anyway, that's my take on it. We'd love to know, I, love to know uh, the listeners thoughts on this too. If he was leaving ESPN, that would be atrocious because I want him to keep calling college football. So he's still calling college football. I mean, I love Kirk Herbstreit. Kirk Herbstreit. I think he's I great. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I, he, he offers tremendous value on broadcasts. Um, I mean, I guess it, it's, it's interesting. Was, wasn't he the guy? Didn't he say Tariq Hill? We got to get yep. no more Tariq Hills. Yep. Yeah. So, Come on, man. but that was just, <laughs> that was just, so that was unfair to him. Hey, go call an NFL game. I mean, I wonder if he'll get burned out. I don't think that's, he got the call the week before. That's, you know, no, well, Tariq saying Tariq Hill is unacceptable. Um, that's one of the faces of the NFL, but I wonder if he'll get burned out. Now, I know I just said broadcasting, you get a lot of days off. But to go from prepping for an NFL game and then traveling and then immediately having to prep and do college football games on Saturday, that must be exhausting. I, he, it just it has to be about the money. Maybe not. Maybe he wants to be in the NFL. I don't know. It, I don't know. There's just too many players, too. Like, I think basketball, I was even thinking about, all right, Grant Hill does college basketball and the NBA. and But everybody loves Grant Hill, and he, he can do anything. Um, he's another guy. You put him anywhere, I'm in. But, but I think there's less players. Like, you can kind of know – the NBA, you can know all the players, especially if you've been around. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, he, I think it's a little bit easier to, to juggle. But college football and the NFL and the, the weight of those, like, broadcast booths and the millions of people that are watching that, even though it will be less on Amazon because it's streaming. But who doesn't have Amazon Prime at this point? Right, you got to. Yeah, that's, that's a great. That's a great question. That's a good point. Prime's a no-brainer. That's a no-brainer. Point. That's that's an easy one every every year, whatever that cost is. But, um, anyway, <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> well, hey Henry, thanks for uh, for playing hurt today. A little, little under the weather. Get better. Uh, we appreciate you, man. Uh, Luke, fun show. Congrats to to Kansas. Big win over the weekend. But hey, it's only the regular season. It's all about the conference tournaments and then leading into the NCAA tournament. And get this, next Monday, we'll be breaking down the brackets, baby. It'll be all in on on oh, March oh. Madness. Let's go. Let's we, go. Election Sunday. Oh, I cannot wait. We will, 
will have an unpacking it bracket challenge. So keep Join. an eye out for yes. that. Let's do oh, it. Yeah. Last so year was fun. Be, yes. We'll I started off strong time. and then quickly regressed. So yeah. uh, maybe this year's my year. There you go. You got to go. I've never had a big year. I, I'm not a great bracket predictor. But do you remember who won it last year? Cousin Brian. Yeah. Oh, that's right. In Philadelphia. Phil, yeah. Cousin Brian's Brian. a sports machine. He is. He is. So shout out to him. All right. Well, great show. Appreciate everybody listening. Thanks for all the interaction and feedback. Uh, good show. Thanks for lifting my spirits after a tough Duke loss. Uh, like I said earlier in the show, I got the Trader Joe's win. So still still feeling good following the weekend after that. But uh, but But appreciate everybody. I'm Bryce. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected. And through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Make sure you subscribe to the Unpack This devotional. Today's topic was really about grace, and and, and even on the, the nights that we we let we let God down, we 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 have mistakes, we 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 stumble. Uh, his His grace remains, His love remains, and so we cling to that today. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Unhacking It podcast presented by MetaShare. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.